Over the past year, I've been on a healing adventure. I've spent the past 12 months recovering from brain fog, pain, and chronic fatigue. Like any good adventure story, there have been highs and lows, losses and gains, and an incredible amount of personal growth and lessons learned. This journey has made me a better health practitioner and a more empathetic coach. To add more meaning to my experience, I wanted to create something that would help others to increase their energy, clear their mind, and restore their health. I created the Brain Fog Bible. The Brain Fog Bible is a 47-page guide that covers what I call the low-hanging fruit. It explores the most important areas to be assessed and addressed if you want more from life, but your brain and your body are holding you back. You can grab a copy at brainfogbible.com forward slash download. That's brainfogbible.com forward slash download. I believe one of the most important things that we can do is give ourselves the gift of truly nourishing the soul through time spent in self-inquiry, moments that still the mind and practices that light us up and allow us to reconnect to the child within. Move, Breathe, Create is a platform that celebrates soul nourishment. Move your body to get out of your head. Breathe to give yourself mental clarity and calm. Create without expectation to fuel your inspiration and delight your senses. Come and join us over at movebreathecreate.com and use the code kombucha for your first month free. I'm looking forward to seeing you inside the community. From a young age, I was passionate about nutrition and helping people with their health. When I started practicing in the field, I realized that physiology and psychology are intimately intertwined. Some of my clients just needed to know what to do to feel better. And many of my clients knew what they should be doing, they just weren't doing it. Underneath it all, unconscious conditioning was getting in the way of their success. This drove me to uplevel my skill set and coach my clients to remove some of their mental roadblocks and reconnect with the wisdom of the body. I learned about the importance of embodiment and harnessing the power of emotions to get more of what you want from life. I started offering intensive one-to-one coaching packages and I launched my Grounded Goddess group program. I also wanted to create a free offering to help women understand the power of the mind, body, and emotions. I created the Grounded Goddess Blueprint. The Grounded Goddess Blueprint is a 43-page guide that will help you reconnect with what you want from life and teach you how to build your roadmap to create it. It will help you understand why you often find yourself going round in circles and engaging with self-sabotage. If you feel stuck overwhelmed, or frustrated with lack of results, you want the Grounded Goddess Blueprint. If you want clarity, understanding, and more success, you want the Grounded Goddess Blueprint. Just go over to groundedgoddess.co.uk forward slash blueprint and grab your copy. That's groundedgoddess.co.uk forward slash blueprint. Hi, I'm Shay, and welcome to Kombucha and Color. Kombucha and Color is a weekly podcast hosted by me, Shay Dyer, a yoga teacher and creative graphic designer, and Anna Marsh, a functional medicine practitioner and women's health coach with a love of all things health and fitness. 
This podcast is here to inspire women to embrace health and live life bright. You can find more about me, Shay, at shaydyer.com. You can find out more about me, Anna, at annamarshnutrition.co.uk. And each week we will be bringing you inspiring content for a healthier and happier mind, body, heart, and soul. Hi, everybody. It's Shay here and welcome back to Kombucha and Kala and welcome, especially if you're joining us for the first time. Um, I have with me, as always, Anna on the show and we are excited to dive into today's topic. So welcome, Anna. Thank you for welcoming me to my <laughs> podcast that I co-host with you. <laughs> so what I wanted to, what we wanted to share and dive into this episode today is this idea of yoga and spirituality and how we incorporate these lessons and these learnings into our daily lives. So you may or may not know, I am a yoga teacher and I run an Instagram account called Indie Yoga Life. And on that account, I have shared a lot of personal learnings and my evolution as I have gone down this yoga teacher training path and invested my time and energy into learning more and understanding more about this way of life and this way of being. And you also may not may or may not know, but I am at the moment pregnant. I'm 18 weeks pregnant. And on that Instagram account, I've been sharing a lot of my pregnancy journey and just like where I'm at and what I'm learning and what I'm uncovering through that. So I completely understand that for some people, share, like hearing about the pregnancy is not where they want to be and they, they're not really interested in that at all. And I had someone who messaged me yesterday on Instagram and just said, I've had to unfollow you because I've just found that pregnancy is what you're sharing 24-7 and um, I'm here for the spirituality and the yoga. And my response to that was like, I had to take a moment to reflect and be like, well, maybe, maybe I am sharing like too much of the pregnancy stuff, but what does that mean? And why do I feel that it's important to share this in relationship to the, the yoga account that I run? And it made me think about this idea that often we can think that yoga and spirituality is something that we can easily box into a 60 minute asana class or a physical practice. And for me, it is completely not that at all. It's so much more than that. And really the way that we move through life and the way that we interact with the people around us and the way that we show up when there's change and when there's challenge and when there's things that are um, that we're moving through in life, like that is when the real spiritual practice, that is when the real yoga takes place. And so for me, I had a real, like, think about this. And I was like, this whole me sharing of what I'm moving through right now has been one of the biggest spiritual lessons and biggest spiritual learnings that I have moved through so far. And it's just been interesting in my reflection of that, like, you know, I could, I could run, an, run a yoga account that is specifically on teaching people asana, which is many people do and it's very successful, but it's been my personal choice to show and explain this big, broader topic of what spirituality means as we are looking at it as a lens through which we live our lives. So I wanted to like kind of pre-frame the episode with, with that and kind of my response to it. And maybe we'll look a little bit at the personal growth that we've had in this journey of moving through spirituality and just unpack this a little bit. So, Anna, what does spirituality mean for you? So Shay messaged me yesterday. We usually communicate each week just to kind of talk about what we're going to talk about on the 
the podcast this week and she had suggested this topic and I had started just kind of mulling things over and thinking about what I wanted to share. And one of the big questions that I started to ask myself was, what does it actually mean to be spiritual? So I did what most people would do, which was Google it. And um, the definition of spirituality that came up on Google was the quality of being concerned with the human spirit or soul as opposed to material or physical things. And I interpreted that to mean it's about this connection to the human spirit or the human soul and how we use that connection to, to as a, as a guidebook for our life. And so we often think of spiritual practices, as you've already said, Shay, to be things like yoga or to be meditation or to, you know, be the singing bowl class you go to or the gong bath or to get out your goddess cards and you know do a little tarot reading or whatever it is and if you do those things you're seen as spiritual but I think sometimes those are just the things that we do which help us feel connected help us feel the sense of connection to something that is bigger than ourselves but it's actually what we do with that connection that makes the difference and how we interface those practices with everyday life. And um, Annie, who is my yin yoga teacher who I've interviewed previously, previously on the show, she uses a lot of quotes from Ram Das. And one of the things she, I often see her sharing on Instagram and I hope I'm going to get this correct is like, so you think you're enlightened go spend a holiday with your family. And it's, it's this idea that, you know, you can do all these perfect practices and it's so easy to be like spiritual when you're practicing yoga and when you're meditating or doing, you know, various things that we would class as spiritual, but it's actually when you're confronted with real physical life in this world, that your spirituality is really tested. Mm, I absolutely love that the, the enlightened and go and spend a holiday with your family like it's so spot on but I think all I think the triggers so, will come out all the, all the triggers <laughs> and I think that's really what for me has been like so important about sharing my personal life and personal journey because that's where the practice is like those moments or those times where we have the confined space where it's a lovely controlled environment we're doing our yoga practice we're sitting and breathing we're meditating those are just like I kind of want to feel like those are drills or those are the things that are tools that we sharpen and hone in that very specific way. But it's actually how we take those tools and implement them into the hunt or into, you know, if we think about like if we're making music, those are like the scales or the things that we have to do on repeat and we need to keep those skills up. But it's how do we take those and make music in our lives that really makes the difference between whether we're living life through a spiritual lens, through a yogic lens, or whether we're just isolating ourselves into the 60 minute practice that we have and then coming off the mat and stepping back into our regular lives as it were without any conscious transference of that knowledge, that skills to the lives that we are living. So it's a really important topic for me. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I kind of went back to this, this woman on, on Instagram and I was like, hundred percent. I think that if the content that I'm sharing is not resonating for you, you really need to unfollow and well done for unfollowing. Like I'm so, so glad. And thank you for sharing with me. But I said, I also do feel that your whole life is a spiritual practice and everything that we move through is, well, that's my view is like, is, is, is yogic and, and how we, and how we live our lives. So 
and even you know from a from a perspective of yoga asana practice or physical practice in the yoga sutras which is kind of this core philosophy of yoga the only time that there is ever referenced a point of physical practice is find a comfortable seat so if we think about you know we tend to think that yoga is this physical thing that we do but really it's about making the body comfortable so that we can sit so that we can observe what's going on in our mind so that we have that skill to take off with us when we are relating with our family on holiday and all the triggers are coming up when we are moving through a global pandemic when there's loads of different changes when we're facing financial instability when we're facing health challenges or crises when we are interacting with people who really trigger us the wrong way and fire us up or when things are not going right and I think that most of this practice comes in when there's big change that happens. And I know, Anna, you'll probably speak in some, when we, we share some personal examples here, but you've been on this, this healing adventure, which I know has been like a deeply spiritual and profound learning for you. And for me as well, this pregnancy has been like deeply profound and learning in a spiritual capacity, although it's got nothing to do with yoga, it's 100% been a spiritual journey. And I think, that when you can view life with that lens, it's it's a really beautiful way to move through life, and it's it feels it feels safe and held when you move through life like that. Even if things are rocky and you're moving through these challenging times or crazy pandemics or whatever's going on in the external world. So, yeah, I'm so in a way as you've been speaking, I'm just thinking I'm so grateful for my spirituality because I think that it has given me so many tools or it gave me so many tools, especially as I've been entering into this healing adventure. And just as you've said, as those tools have been sharpened, those tools have been honed and that consciousness has been elevated just through the process of living through it. And that doesn't mean that I've lived through it like, you know, in pure bliss from meditation or, you know, every moment when I'm lying on my bed and I don't feel well and I can't do anything, I'm just like, hum. <laughs> it's, it's actually just through experiencing all of the shitty parts and, uh, but being okay with that because of those tools that I've managed to sharpen. Mm. And that also, like, even with, you know, I was thinking about this in relationship to things that are moving in the world is like, you know, spirituality is activism. And if you think about this, this Black Lives Matter movement that we've, we've shared on in a few episodes previous, but it's about how do we take this feeling of we are all one and really put it into action? How do we take the sense of unity and move in a really conscious way that really brings it into a tangible space for other people to feel that as well? So. Yeah, there's lots of lessons that come not just from being on our yoga mats and being in a classroom or being in meditation, but how we move through life is one big spiritual journey. So I wanted to share a few really specific things that we've spoken about in the show previously and many different episodes that come up again and again of like some of these key things that I would say make up you living a spiritual or a guided life, something like that, whatever, whatever term works for you. I think when we start speaking about these more esoteric themes and concepts, like sometimes the words can start getting in the way of what we're trying to say. So whatever that looks like or whatever, whatever words you use to describe that way of living, but 
one of the big things for me is giving up control. So when we adopt this feeling of we're surrendering to something that's bigger and it doesn't have to be something like a God that's sitting on top of the clouds, like something overseeing us, like something bigger could just be that there's connection between all of us, that there is this human dynamic. There is this dynamic between all of us that's bigger than me as the individual. And when we can arrive at a place of surrender, we are surrendering our individual selves to the collective. And that for me is like a huge um, piece of stepping into this spiritual path and like letting go of the control. Like I can't actually control this. I'm not in charge of how things pan out. And that is like completely terrifying to, to realize that you have no control, but also completely liberating because it's not up to you. And that is something that I have had to drop into really deeply in this pregnancy journey. Like when we found out it was completely overwhelming in terms of the timing of everything. And it was just like really awkward timing, middle of December, this baby's due, my brother's supposed to be getting married, middle of a pandemic. Like it's just not the right time. And as much as in the past and previous journeys through this, learning this idea of giving up control, give up control, give up control. And now I'm in a situation where I've literally had to give up control. There's no way that I can control this. I cannot control when this baby's going to come. It's just, it's not up to me. And like having that real embedded learning is like, wow. It makes me think like, what else am I living through in my life that I could release more control and then be in a place where oh, it's like a breath out. And it's like, I can just re release here because it's not up to me. So yeah, that was like the first sort of lesson and learning for that. I don't know if you had anything to add on to that idea. I have loads to add <laughs> because <laughs> I think this, this idea of control really resonates with me so much because I think in the, in the past control for me has always been a mask for uncertainty or, or it's been a a tool that I've used to build certainty in my life. And we've talked about the six human needs before um, on the show and how we all have this human need for certainty. It's usually one of our primary needs to feel safe and to feel certain. And when we don't feel safe and when we don't feel certain, then what we'll do is we'll try to create the illusion of control by, you know, doing different things in our life to help us feel safe and help us feel secure. And I think we also interviewed Becky Holston in one of the very early episodes about safety behaviors and all the different behaviors we can create to create this illusion of control. But then as you say, life is always going to prove you wrong <laughs> and it's going to be like, Oh yeah, you thought you were in control now see how you like this. And, and then you fall pregnant at like the least ideal time. And for myself with my health, even though I'm, I'm getting better and I'm working on it, sometimes it does feel completely out of control, whether I have a good day or a bad day. And I can't control how fast this is going to happen. It's going to happen in, in its time. And yes, there are things that I could maybe do to help that process or to, to navigate that process in an easier way, but it's still, it's still not up to me. <laughs> it's still mm -hmm. just like I'm living in this trust and surrender that, that my body will heal. I think that control to a certain extent is an illusion and what we are, what we can empower ourselves to do from a spiritual perspective is instead of working on controlling, it's how can we can create um, a greater sense of trust and safety 
with inside ourselves. Mm, I love that. And I just think that this idea of control can come up so much with relationships that we are in because if we think about like, obviously we know that there's some things in life we can't control. We can't control the weather. We can't control things that are like forces of nature. But often the sense of control that we're seeking is much more subtle than that. And we can be in a, in a relationship where, uh, where we are trying to control the reactions of another person or we're trying to manage or micromanage how that other person is going to respond. And when our um, idea of how that person is going to respond or how we would like them to respond doesn't match with the reality that they're showing or presenting to us, we end up with this inner angst or this inner turmoil within ourselves because now we're finding this incongruence between what we want and between that other person who's bringing what what they have to bring. And so when we can, wow, release this control, it's like, oh my gosh, how many other things in life can we release and find a state of peace so that we can bring ourselves back to that place of trust? So, you know, it's this, there's so much to, to say on this and how life brings us these lessons. And I'd say that need to control, especially others um, and, and situations and people and things, it's such a huge source of hidden stress for so many people. Mm. You would say to somebody who's maybe got a nice job, you know, um, very financially stable in quite like a good, in, in a good loving relationship, it has some nice holidays once a year, you know, they're probably saying, no, I'm not that stressed. But sometimes stress isn't those obvious things. It's, mm. it's all those little, as you say, those micro things that are affecting our internal state all the time. And then how that eats away at our, at our sense of health and our sense of well-being it's not obvious, but it's there and it's impacting you all the time. And when you can learn to let go of some of that, it is just, as you say, just like that exhale, that breath of relief. Mm. And not obvious because we have no idea that it's actually in our heads that we're trying to control this whole external situation. So mm. yeah, and, and I think that, and that's, yeah, and I think that's where, where the practices of yoga come into where it's like, oh, we can start becoming aware of how we are thinking and, and feeling so that, in the 60 minute yoga class that we have as our tool, it's like, wow, I'm taking this and I'm realizing what I'm thinking and feeling on this mat. How am I transferring that to how am I thinking and feeling within the relationships that are causing me stress or anxiety? So yeah, I think that's a really good way of, of mapping those two together. And I think to a certain extent, like, we are still, you, even yourself, even myself, we are still trying to control things. Some of those things that we're aware of, some of those things that we are completely oblivious to, but it's that this is the spiritual path. It's like peeling off those layers of the onions and getting closer and closer to, to more trust and more freedom. Mm-hmm. Love that. So the other thing that comes up for me as like a big proponent of the spiritual path and just finding a sense of divinity within yourself is this idea of self-love and something that we talk about on the show again and again, it's like a recurrent theme that keeps coming up. And I think that when you move on the spiritual path, you start to see that divinity or that essence, whatever it is that you believe in, God, source, soul, the universe, you see that within yourself. 
and it makes the access to self-love within yourself much easier. But we still have the human part of us, which has to deal with body image, which has to deal with how we're presenting to the world, with all these external things, external pressures, internal pressures from a very physical perspective. And that's something for me as I've been moving through this pregnancy journey, and it doesn't necessarily have to just be pregnancy. It could be a change in your physical state. It could be your health. It could be something that you know, goes on in your body or something that makes a difference to your physical appearance, that how do you navigate that change and how do you stay in relationship to loving yourself when there are external changes or physical changes that that come about? And that's something that I've been really thinking about during this this pregnancy time. And I was chatting to a friend of mine and I was saying, you know, there's this big sort of hype about the second trimester glow and there's like the second trimester glow in pregnancy and everyone's like all the women feel like so wonderful and glowing and I've been reflecting on that and I've been thinking like why does this happen yes of course like maybe you've got a little bit more energy back but I was saying to this friend I said probably for the first time in a woman's life when she's pregnant it is actually celebrated and seen as this wonderful beautiful thing to have a stomach that is not washboard six pack flat. And for a woman to feel that, like, oh my gosh, it's so wonderful to just be in my body. I don't have to hold my stomach in. I don't have to look a certain way. My body is doing something that's miraculous. And at the same time, our body's doing that whether we're pregnant or not all the time. It's, it's a small miracle that we are alive and the functions and things in our body. And it's like, we lose reverence for it. And it's just this, it's been really interesting in this journey of self-love. Like as I'm moving through pregnancy, there's a lot that I'm like so in awe of in my body and how the the practice for me, I think will be how to keep this level of self-love reverence in the postnatal period when there might be this external pressure or internal pressure to get back to that quotes unquote, six board, washboard, flat stomach. So yeah, it's just an interesting journey that I've like been reflecting on within myself and the body image in relationship to myself and pregnancy. Yeah, I think I've had my own self-love challenges as well as I've gone through this healing adventure because to a certain extent, I was very much, I would very much define my worth based on what I could do. And like, that's how productive I could be and how much I could achieve and how much weight I could lift at the gym. Also, yes, to a certain extent, like how, how my body would look as a consequence of the, you know, the workouts that I was doing and and the way that I was training my body. I think to a certain extent, speaking of control earlier as well, is that one of the the big things that I had to shift when I actually began to surrender to this healing adventure was I had to give up the way that I was exercising and the way that I was working out. And I do have a love of fitness. I, I love the way it feels to work out, but the the positive side effect of that is it was also a way for me to control my body and to control my appearance. And one of the things that really stood in the way of me letting all of that go was this fear of how is my body going to change and then how will that affect my worth? And to surrender to those changes is something that takes a whole lot of love. And I think that it's, I, I don't feel that it's something that I've truly mastered yet, if I'm being completely honest. And one of the things that happened as I went through this healing adventure was I actually 
I actually lost quite a lot of weight because I was changing my diet and I was probably losing some muscle mass. Um, and that was actually, and I was like, oh, this is actually not that bad. It's kind of nice. But then what's happened more recently is some of that weight that I lost, I started to gain back. And I think that was actually more just because some of the chronic digestive issues that I'd had were starting to resolve and I was actually digesting, absorbing my food better, <laughs> which, which means that you're probably going to gain some weight. So even though I lost some weight, it wasn't necessarily a healthy weight loss. And then my weight started to like creep back up again. And then it was this whole like fear thing that started to, to happen. And in those moments, I think it's so easy to you know, just think I'm so worthless. Like I can't do anything. I can't be productive. Look at my body. It looks like this. And then just start to feel very unworthy of receiving any love. And it's like those moments are the moments when you learn. Like those are the moments when you really have to dig into your spirituality and find some way to love yourself. If you don't, well, you, you can choose not to, but then you are continuing to live this existence where you're just at war with yourself. And this will show up, I guess, in so many different ways in so many people's life, depending on all the external things in which we, in which we place our worth. But finding our worth just in, in who we are, I think that that is a lifelong spiritual practice. I love that. And so, so much wisdom in what you're sharing. I think when I hear you talk about this journey that you've been on and particularly in relationship to like the weight loss, and this is something that I've been experiencing now. It's like, what I'm hearing is like, when you're losing weight, it's like you're going down on that scale. It's like, oh, this is positive, positive reaffirming. This is good. I'm feeling good. Amazing. Self-love is easy. When you go the opposite direction, it's like, oh, this is a little bit uncomfortable. And what I have experienced now in this pregnancy is the complete reverse of that, which I think not many women, unless maybe you're pregnant or you have a real sense of like all bodies are normalized, that you don't experience that. And it's like this really interesting flip of dynamic of like, as you put on weight, it's like this thing to be like glorified and made wonderful. And this is like where you are worthy. and something that you were saying as well just like made me think about this idea that without that sense of self-love it's like you're very unanchored like you don't have the sense of grounding or rooting within yourself and like I think that's so important and one of the, the hardest lessons and certainly like it's been something that I'm still like struggle with and I still like have my days where I'm like yeah I feel like I'm really in my power and like stepping into who I am and I really can own and love myself and there's days when I'm like oh I feel a little bit like low on energy or something that's not gone right and I have a little bit of a wobble but it's like if I compare my journey where I am right now to where I was seven years ago I'm like whoa that is a different person like that was a different shade back then and again, this idea of letting go of control and surrendering and the timing of everything is like so divine. It's like if I'd fallen pregnant seven years ago, like I would have had a very different experience of how I moved through this pregnancy, not just from a physical perspective, from a spiritual perspective, and then how I choose to parent would also have been very different. So I think it's, yeah, there's there's divine timing and that love is the anchor that brings us back. So mm. And we, yeah. and the spiritual well spiritual can't talk now the spiritual practices you know the, the yoga meditation whatever else you're doing i think they are really helpful practices because they sharpen your ability to drop back into love and 
you know, as you were saying, it's like sharpening your sword. It's like strengthening that toolbox. Um, but then we don't just strengthen the, the toolbox so that it sits in the tool shed or wherever. We need to bring it out that shed and use the knife. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, so something that also it connected to what you were saying, and I think this probably is in more relationship to personal development, but I think personal development and spiritual development can go hand in hand. I think they're slightly different. I mean, I think you can have personal development without necessarily going down a spiritual path, but I think that often they overlap, at least for, I would say for maybe this community. But what you spoke about with like, moving through your identity shift in how you're choosing to, or how you went from being someone who goes to the gym and lifts heavy weight and then letting go of shifting out of that identity. That's something that I have also experienced now with this shift in identity through pregnancy. I have always considered myself for the baby for the past five years, I would have said, Oh, I'm pescatarian. I don't really eat meat. I don't eat chickens. I don't eat red meat. I haven't eaten it for five years. And in this pregnancy, probably a couple of weeks ago, said to one, like, I just not really eaten much because it was just like food was just so overwhelming. And I was like, I need chicken. I need to eat chicken. Warren, I need to eat chicken. And like, this is like, he's kind of looking at me like, sure, you haven't eaten chicken in like five years. Are you sure that this is something that you want to do? I was like, yeah, and I really feel like I need this for my body right now. So we ordered some chicken wings and this was like the crazy thing sitting there this chicken wing bowl in front of me. And I'm like, this feels weird. I hope it's going to like, <laughs> it's not going to do anything. Like the body's going to reject it or anything because I haven't had them in so long. I had to say a little prayer to the chicken blessing and everything. It felt so bad, but it's a lot for me. It was like this feeling of like, wow, can I let go of this identity? I don't have to be so rigidly stuck on this identity of Shay doesn't eat chicken or red meat or anything like that. And how can I be fluid in it and honor what I'm experiencing right now for me in this moment? And Eckhart Tolle, who's a really powerful spiritual teacher, his whole practice is about living in the now. So maybe tomorrow and the next day, I don't want that chicken again, but like for now, this is really what my body needs in this moment. And I'm going to strip away these identities that I've created around it in order to honor what's showing up for me in this moment. So yeah, I don't know if you had anything to add onto that. Yeah, we have, we have talked about identity quite a bit on the show previously. It's, it's a huge theme that kind of, I guess, is underlying in all the coaching work that I do with my clients that to have a different experience of life, we actually really have to become someone different. And I know that you said about, um, you know, you can not be spiritual and still do some personal development work, but I think it's, I kind of distinguish between the two, like there's like mindset, like changing your mind. But I think it's like when you connect mind to body, I think that is part of the spirituality piece, that embodiment piece. But for me, we've talked about it several times on the show about, about this identity shift that I had to go to letting, letting go of this kind of like muscular athletic gym goer type. And with letting go of that identity, I think there's also I also experienced a lot of grief and a lot of loss. And I think it's something that I've only very recently actually started to accept. And this has been like 18 months on. And sometimes it's painful to let go of who we believe that we are, but we have to trust that whoever we are becoming or whatever we're, we're moving towards is for our, our highest good or our greatest good. And, and this is just like a little interesting fact on the side, but um. 
as I let go of that kind of, I guess it's, it's much, much more of the masculine energy associated with the, the gym because it's like that push, push, push kind of drive. I, my body changed obviously to, to become a little bit softer, to feel a little bit more feminine. Um, but other things changed too. Like I was thinking I've never owned any more like as many floaty skirts (laughs) as I do right now like the way that I dress has changed you know there's been so many other actually quite nice changes as a a consequence of that I still remember when we were in Bali together and you know you would like walk around the markets and browse and look at all the jewelry and buy all the nice things and I was like yeah Shay's like really connected to her feminine energy and I feel I'm I'm no Shay but I feel like I've, I've had a little bit more in that direction and, and it feels good, you know? And I think that's, we can often have this big fear of letting go of our old identity because it's what we know. It's safe. It's comfortable. It's familiar, even if it's not helping us, but there's always these lovely little surprises along the way of the things that can actually fill up your cup and make you feel good. Mm. And it's so you know, I love that with the, the feminine identity and just letting go of things. And I think the identities that we create for ourselves are created from the human aspect of ourselves because they're from the mind. They're from our ego identity with some kind of behavior or some kind of set of ideals that we hold for ourselves from the human aspect. And when we dissociate or disconnect or let some of that go, there can be a period where we feel the sense of lost or like feeling like, my gosh, I don't really know who I am. And I had this very big feeling of feeling absolutely lost when I was on Path of Love because you completely dissociate from everything that you believe, quote unquote, that you are from a mental personality, identity perspective. And I know that many people who move through the motherhood journey, there's like this period when you first become a mother, that's like everything's overwhelming and you just like feel like you're drowning and it's like, oh my gosh. And I think that is like this almost a phase of like reestablishing this identity. It's like you're letting go of something and it feels like, my gosh, my where are my feet going to land? Because I'm just floating. I have no sense of who I am and what's going on left and right and just a lot of overwhelm and like lost feeling. And I think like that feeling of floating or like feeling overwhelmed is really, is a time when it's really important to have those tools that you sharpened in your, you know, your formal practices so that you can anchor back into self-love so that that it drops you back into a place of here I am. And that's where the spiritual piece comes in because when you connect to that, divinity, when you connect to that trust, when you connect to that sense of universal love, consciousness, whatever it is, like that's the thing that I can have a little bit of peace here because it doesn't rely on the human identity or the human personality or anything that's laid on top of it. So I think these practices are useful in a way that we can put them into our lives. When I work with my clients, we call this the messy middle. And I use a process called the big tick, which um, we've spoken about previously on the show, but it's like you're, it's essentially what you've described is like you're leaving one level of identity, you're reaching up for a new level of identity, but there's a space when you're no longer grounded in the old self. 
but you haven't yet got that firm grasp on the new self. Like I always think of it like, like reaching up a ladder or like reaching up to a platform and you're reaching and you're reaching and you're trying to like grab hold of something so you can pull yourself up and then get your feet on the ground and be like, ah, I've arrived. But those moments of ah, have arrived are actually just so transient in life. And I think if you are a growth orientated person that you spend a lot more time in the messy middle than you do in any other phase of change. And so, as you've just said, is like having those practices so that you can be in the messiness of it all, but just be like, it's messy, but I'm good. And just like have that trust that, that there will be those brief moments of like, Oh yes, I've arrived. And then the next phase of growth will begin. And what you've described, like it made me think like as you are sort of from your original identity where you are, going to the new identity requires a leap. It requires that you have to actually push off and leap across this abyss. And I think that the practices that we have, the yoga, the meditation, all these things that we do in formal training gives us the courage, gives us Mm. the confidence, gives us the trust to take that leap. And I think for me, if I look at my life, like if I didn't have the formal practices of yoga, meditation, journaling, self-inquiry, creative practices, whatever works for you. But if I didn't have those things, I wouldn't have the courage to leap to the next place, to really deepen that understanding in my lived experience. I've actually got a few clients I'm working with at the moment. And this is exactly what we've been talking about is this this kind of like knowing, like when you, I call it like the niggle, when you get the niggle that like change is coming or I I need to make a change happen, that requires energy. And and that energy, I say that is the leap because, you know, you you can't just passively leap. It has to be like there's momentum and force Mm, and effort that requires energy. But as you say, like there's this, this courage that is required because there's always going to be fear because it's out of your comfort zone. You know, you don't get anything new by staying in your zone of comfort, but fear is essential because without fear, there would be no courage. You know, they're, they're opposite sides of the same coin. So what I'd love to reframe from my clients is like when they're making all these stories up about, you know, about their fear, it's just an opportunity for them to display their courage. Mm-hmm. I love that. I absolutely love that. So is there anything that you want to add in terms of your spirituality, your practice? Because I think, and especially like sort of, as I've been in the earlier stages of pregnancy, like my quote unquote yoga practice has looked very different to what many people would think a yoga teacher's practice would look like in terms of physical practice. So, you know, sometimes it's just literally me sitting down and going, you can do this. You've got this. Like that Mm. positive self talk, that positive affirmation is yoga, is your spiritual practice. It doesn't have to be a 60 minute asana class. It doesn't have to be a 15 minute meditation or whatever you've got time for. It's, it's how you are moving through life when the challenges arise. So what is your kind of spiritual practice look like? Totally. So um, I started practicing asana yoga in 2008. That was the year I first moved to London. But I would say, and, and that was like, you know, a, a Jim, Jim Bunny Anna, who, you know, was like, I, I just was there for the workout. And yes, I knew it was like, it was good for me to do some stretching, but it was, that was, it was a very physical experience. And so 
you know, initially when I started my yoga practice, it was a much more physically strong, physically challenging practice. Now my yoga practice is much more about pranayama, maybe a little bit of yin yoga, maybe just a little bit of meditation. And for me, it's every single morning I get up, I go to the beach, I swim in the ocean. And like, that is my yoga because that for me is just that space, the quiet, the connection with nature. It doesn't look like, as you say, the traditional yoga practice, but what it does is it gives me that connection to self. And with that connection to self, then I can, I can set myself up for the day. And I think that that speaks so much to intentionality. Like you could rush down to the beach, swim, come back, and that's not your yoga practice. But when you are taking that time to be like, this is, I'm doing something for myself. I am really absorbed in what I'm doing. I'm being present with everything. Like I'm taking this as a divine practice, going to the ocean, like look at this magical creation that's here. Like, yeah, there's just a different way that we can show up. And I think that's what this whole episode has been about. It's like, how can we live life with the lens of all of this is a beautiful, divine, magical, spiritual experience that we're living through, whether you are folding laundry or trying to deal with a screaming child or trying to herd a bunch of cats into a specific space. Like if you can approach life like that, like it's a different experience. And I think that's what yoga has given me. Yeah, it's beautiful. So yeah, thank you for sharing all your wisdom and insights with me today. Um, thank you for sharing really your good. wisdom and insights with me. Yeah, it's been a really good chat and I've enjoyed unpacking this a little bit more. And I hope it's been interesting for people to listen and perhaps reflect on what spirituality means for them in their lives and how they, they move through their life with a sense of connection to something bigger. Yeah. And so if you have enjoyed this episode or if you have enjoyed any of the episodes, um, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Um, the more reviews we have, the more it improves our rankings and then other people find the show. And we so appreciate it. So thank you so much for listening and we'll see you again soon. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Kombucha and Colour. If you have enjoyed or been inspired by our conversations today, please leave a five-star review on Stitcher or iTunes. Don't forget to share with friends and family. This will help other women find inspiration to live life bright. We'd love to connect with you on social media. Come find me, Shay, by searching Shay Dyer Yoga on Facebook or Instagram. You can find me, Anna, by searching Anna Marsh on Facebook or Instagram. And remember, you can always refer to the links in the show notes. See you next week.